Are we back? Hello and welcome to Back in My Play. This is episode number 10 where we're going to be talking about the Nintendo 64 launch, Super Mario 64, and Wave Race 64. Long time no talk. I am Kevin Larrabee and I am joined as always by Trey Gibson. Trey, how you doing? Fantastic. And we also got Josh Hillier. There's water all over the place right now. Okay. There's water on my face, on my clothes, and all I can say is Banzai! Okay, that's a Wave Race reference, I'm guessing. No, no, just something I felt like saying. All right, uh, well, we have a great show lined up for you because the great thing about today is we're going to be going back to the era of 1995 and 96 when the Nintendo 64 launched in Japan and in North America. But before we get to that, we got some announcements. Uh, first off, apologies for, for being four weeks absent. Some stuff's been going on. We've been uh, you know, busy with work and things like that, but we think we have worked out a schedule to, to record some stuff and keep the podcast as regular as possible. I really do appreciate. I Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, for people that emailed, posted on Twitter, posted in the NeoGAF thread saying, where's the podcast? Is everything all right? What's going on? Uh, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for that. But uh, for the next upcoming episodes, next week in honor of Mighty Number no. 9, we're going to be doing Mega Man 2. After that, we're going to be doing Aladdin for the Super Nintendo and for the Sega Genesis. And then we're going to be coming up with a uh, Halloween special episode with Resident Evil for the PlayStation 1, GameCube, Nintendo DS, Game Boy Color, and uh, Sega Saturn, and maybe PC. I don't know if PC1 ever came out, but uh, that Mm. is going to be part of it. And then also Super Castlevania as well. So uh, Yeah, it's going to get spooky on that one. Yeah, it, it might be uh it, it might be a spooktacular, as Josh was saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you might need your three D glasses for the Friday night uh, or Saturday night snick or whatever. Yeah, get your candy corn and your Reese's cups and your mm-hmm. apples full of razor blades because we're gonna be mm-hmm. doing a Halloween episode. So uh let's take a uh quick break and we're gonna start talking about the launch of the Nintendo sixty four. On June 23, 1996, N64 was released in Japan. The results were nothing less than phenomenal. Within hours, over 500,000 systems cleared the shelves. September 29th, N64 is scheduled for release in North America. The system is about to change. But before it does, we decided to invite three of the best gamers in the country to put it to the test. This is N64. And that is really what got us hyped. For all of us that had a subscription to Nintendo Power, we received a a beautiful 
a 15-minute VHS in the mail that basically said, hey, kids, just if you weren't paying attention, I got 16 or 64 bits of power that just blows away the 32 and uh, that the PlayStation, the Sega uh, Saturn were giving us. But let's be real. Most of us knew about the Nintendo Ultra 64 via Nintendo Power or a local Killer Instinct or Cruising USA machine in our arcades or a local Nick's Roast Beef uh, restaurant. But that, that, I mean, otherwise, we were just, Nintendo was just so good at that, that hype machine and they continued through the Nintendo 64 life with things like the Donkey Kong 64 VHS, the Mario, uh, not Mario Kart, uh, Diddy Kong Racing, Star Fox 64. Uh, that was just, I mean, I'm sure they got some some nice returns from that. So let's talk a little bit about before the launch. Guys, Trey, tell me, were you like, guys, Mom, Dad, I need Nintendo 64. I need Nintendo 64. I don't care how you do it. It's only $199. That's like basically free. I got to get one. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, like that tape was actually the first exposure I got to the system. Once I saw that tape, I said, Mom, Dad, you got to make this happen. I don't care if you have to go to Toys R Us and shank somebody. I want this system. I need it. So, you know, it, it was it was definitely uh, from the time I heard about it, it was the item on the Christmas list. Didn't care about anything else. Had to have my N64. Still love my Super Nintendo, but I, I needed I needed the 64. Had to have once I saw that 3D Mario. Mm mm. It so, was it was on. So you didn't know neither of you guys had like a PlayStation One or that wasn't kind of like in the realm of possibility of picking up. Like I saw one in a KB toy store. I saw the twisted metal or whatever the demo was on there. I was like, this doesn't look very good. Nintendo sixty four looks way better. I you know it, to me uh, at that time frame and you know just because like we didn't have the internet back then and I was a little younger. The only two systems I knew about were the or whatever Sega had out and whatever Nintendo had out place like Sony they, they make CD players what what what's a PlayStation <laughs> I don't know about this and KB Toys I think we shopped at KB Toys one time that was when I got a Virtual Boy for thirty bucks never again so, yeah, same I exact deal by the way that, huh? sorry yeah yeah when I think the two. when I think of KB Toys I think of that god awful Virtual Boy and it it just it mm-mm. Yeah, so no scary. no I I didn't I didn't know about um I didn't know about the PlayStation then uh I the N64 was what I wanted it was the item you know I had to have it so Josh you weren't I had freaking a PlayStation. out What? Is that, is that what you were about to ask me? Yeah. Yeah man I had a PlayStation 1. Um I got it uh 1995 so I'd had a PlayStation for like a year when the N64 launched. I'm like a very poor like a bad Nintendo fanboy. Um, and yes, I thought even back then, by the way, you said like looking at Twisted Metal, this doesn't look very good. I remember thinking that too, like, wow, I wish these games were just like better looking 2D games instead of very ugly 3D polygonal games. Uh, yeah. But I had one for whatever reason. I had one. Where did all these ja- uh, these jaggies come from? What is going on? <laughs> yeah, jaggies. You well, know. it's that yeah. and, and even the, again, the thing that I fondly remember is again at that KB Toy Store, like going into the demo disc and then having to wait like a minute for a game to load. What? What is yeah. it? What's loading? What is this madness? 
that was something that Nintendo was always really smart about. Um, was you know they wanted to make the user experience just really simple and fast and snappy always. So uh, you know we're, I'm sure we're going to talk about cartridges in a minute, but I, I at least respect the decision when you compare it to the loading times that we saw um, in 1995, 1996, 1997 with PS1 and Saturn games. Well, they were adamant about that. They were adamant about not having load times because it would kill, like you said, the user experience from their perspective. And in the end, it caused some severe limitations to what they could do on games, you know, CD quality music or just the actual size of data that they could put on a cart. And then the incredible price of some of these carts because of how much RAM was actually, or the ROM size of the uh, the carts themselves. It was why Sony could put out a game for 40 bucks. And then on Nintendo 64, if you wanted to get the, uh, like, let's use NFL Blitz on PlayStation 1, comes out, it's 40 bucks. On Nintendo 64, it's 64.99 because of just needing to have high, they had a higher expense for, for creating those carts. That's a huge price difference too. You know, that's not talking about like the Wii and 360 PS3 generation that we just, or that we're now coming out of where it was like a $50 game on Wii versus a $60 game. You know, $10 isn't that big of a difference, but 25 to $30, you know, that's like, it makes it a no brainer to buy it on the cheaper system for most families. What's the most you guys ever paid for an N64 game? $110. What was it? Uh, it was the day after Christmas, uh, jumping ahead a little bit, but the day after Christmas, I, uh, was at Funko land, uh, because I got a gift certificate for that, for that place. And shadows of the empire was $109 and 99 cents. I swear to God. Uh, I believe you. I most certainly do. Okay. Uh, Trey, you, th- you throw down some hard money. No, not really, because most of the time, what, this is back when. Whenever I get a game, I usually get it as a gift. I bought a couple. Uh-huh. Um, like that's that's one thing because I, I don't really remember this. Where is that the actual price for the games, or was that a company like that just like skyrocketing so, the price? So here's the deal: right after launch of the Nintendo sixty four, the games themselves were literally hard to find. There were certain games like Star Wars: Shadows of the Empire. Um, like especially the the third party stuff that launched because you you remember when the Nintendo sixty four launched in America all that they really had was Super Mario sixty four Wave Race and then eventually you had games like Wayne Gretzky's three D Hockey come and, and yeah. Shadows of the Empire um, but Funko Land literally just bumped the price up because at retail it was sixty nine ninety nine for that game because Sears had it. For sixty nine ninety nine, we had the flyer. I, I remember this so well because of how pissed off my mom was when, uh, like, at the clerk, uh, because they literally just said, due to like game shortages, the prices have increased on Nintendo sixty four games. It was a sign at the checkout counter uh, for that, and it was just like, well, whatever. I guess I have a twenty five dollar gift certificate. My mom was already dead from Christmas and from like day after Christmas shopping in return. She was like, I don't care. We're buying the game here and we're going home. We're not, we're not going to Sears, even though it was like, you know, practically, you know, down the street, we are just getting the game here and we're going home. I don't want to be outside anymore. So, uh, that's how it was. So $40 more. 
I I remember like the only the only game I remember being expensive is uh, it was funny because my mom she you know like I think I had report cards had come out or something or prior reports or something and I I had all I had like I think I had like four A's and a B or something like that I was doing really good my mom's like you know what she's like you worked hard I'm gonna get you a game and she's like what do you want and a week before Star Fox sixty four came out and I wanted it really bad and it came with a rumble pack if you remember. Um, and I asked her to oh, give yeah. me that. It, it was seventy nine ninety nine, and she bought it because she promised me she would get a game, and that was the only game I said she wanted. Uh, when when I got home, she just handed me the bag. She's like, "Here you go, you little shit." And I was like, <laughs> what are you, "I was like, what are you talking about?" She goes, "That game was seventy nine ninety nine. What kind of trickery is this?" I was like, "Mom, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was that much." She's like, "Well, the next game you're gonna have to buy on your own." But it came, came with a rumble pack. Let's be yeah. real. It, it was well, a value-packed That uh, doesn't game. mean anything to her. <laughs> I mean, she's <laughs> just like... Oh, I, by the way, Mom, this... I need three AAA batteries, too. Well, yeah, right? <laughs> but controller's not going to shake itself. If you remember, right, what came out shortly after Star Fox? Damn Goldeneye. Oh, right? yeah. And when I said, Mom, <laughs> she said, nope. So I remember having to do a bunch of yard work and like I, I think like I had a next door neighbor that would always ask me to do stuff and she, she'd pay me for it. So I'd, I'd go and like do stuff for her. It took me like two weeks to get the money, but I managed to get enough. I think I think actually I think it was like five dollars short. My dad spotted me the five bucks, but I had to I had to get my own money to pay for Goldeneye because my mom wasn't happy with me. So <laughs> And that yeah, was that, the that, last that, of the cartridges, man. That was it. Yeah, and I still have that copy too. I still have the copy in the the Rumble pack. So, um, in sixty four games, I've held on to all this time. So, um, nice. yeah, that, yeah, that was that was the most expensive one I remember getting. She might have paid more. I I doubt she would if she gave me that much trouble about it being seventy nine ninety nine. So in the in the Hillier household, where we already had a PlayStation One and you know a fifty inch TV, did you right. also at Coming to the you know the Christmas of 1996, under that tree was there also a Nintendo 64? Of course, of course. <laughs> but I will say, okay, so it sounds like I um, I led a very charmed life, and I did in some ways. But um, I was never allowed to have more than two home consoles and one handheld game system at a time. So I had so if I was going to get a new system, something had to go. Um, because I guess they, they didn't want my room turning into this like crazy place. I don't know. It's kind of sad in retrospect though. So anyway, uh, I ended up selling the Super Nintendo, um, in order to get the N64 and it seemed like a good idea at the time, but in retrospect, the SNES is, you know, I would argue probably the greatest console ever. Um, and the N64 certainly is not, (laughs) Um, but you know, the new hotness, you got to have the new hotness and whatnot. So it made sense to me then. Yes. Long story short, I received an N64 that, that very Christmas with Super Mario 64 wave race in cruising USA. Oh man, you got three games and a blue controller. Oh my God. Look at you. Trey, Trey, how about you? It was, you know, but they they sold my super Nintendo. Oh, kiss my ass. You talking about my, uh, my launch hall. What did I get? Yeah. What'd you get? I had uh, I got Super Mario sixty four, Wave Race sixty four, and a red controller. Man, you guys, you guys. Okay, so here's here's my little story because uh, I'm a terrible child, and um, coming into Christmas, this is like the first year where my parents like, all right, guys, no secret anymore. There is no Santa Claus, but 
Uh, so we're going to put the presents under the tree because we're not going to like wake up at four in the morning to put the presents under the tree now because I always get up like at four or four fifteen for Chris- Christmas day. So did I. Because yes, yeah, because like, dude, I got new games and th- no, that my other siblings never understood this <laughs> because like, no, you guys don't understand. There's new games under the tree. I can almost guarantee it. So, um, couple days before Christmas, it might have been like the 22nd or the 23rd, I go downstairs, no one's in the house, and I start peeling away at, at one of the uh, one of the boxes. I'm like, man, this looks like it could be a Super Nintendo game. Because my parents, like, a couple days before, they, like, sat me down and they said, Kevin, you know, we, I know, like, we, you worked, like, I did the same thing. Like, I was, I got my grades up in school. Like we tried really, really hard. They're just they're sold out everywhere. We couldn't find one. So I go under the tree, ripping away at a small little box, and I see oh man, it's a it's a game. It's Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey, but I don't oh man, they they should have got the Super Nintendo one. They didn't get the the right one. Now I feel bad. And then I look around a little bit more and I see man, this looks like it might be a controller box. Like, I don't know what it is. And I'm like, oh, crap, they bought the wrong stuff. And <laughs> I, I literally, and, and it, this is no what fame. happened. The the day of uh, Christmas morning, I, I start opening up all the presents and I go to that first box that was Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey and I start opening it up and I'm like, oh, the, you, I only have a Super Nintendo. I'm like, oh, I guess we can just return it. Sorry, we didn't. We thought it would like worked with the same one, so I'm still like opening stuff, opening stuff, and for some reason, I go through a bunch of game. Like that's the only game I got, and eventually I'm like, all right, well, I guess you know we can go return this, and I'll get like a Super Nintendo, or we can save up for a N64. And then my stepdad comes downstairs with three boxes. He comes down with a wrapped N64, a wrapped blue controller, and wrapped Super Mario 64. Oh, and the big guns. It was yeah. like, I honestly, I was, what, I, I was 10 years old. I was almost like, F you. F, you serious? You guys got you me? You didn't react like the Nintendo kid? No, it was, it was, like, I swear to God, that was what my reaction was. I couldn't believe it. Like, they were. The happy parents that go and trick the kid and made him like feel sad for a little bit. Then we gave him what he wanted, um, but it was like so nuts. I just I didn't even like I thanked them and I ran upstairs to my bedroom. I started ripping the box open and I started playing Super Mario sixty four. And then you know again like we mentioned previously, I eventually went to Funko Land to get bent over for a copy of <laughs> Star Wars Shadows of the Empire, which ended up like not being great, but still being good enough where it probably was worth one hundred and ten dollars in the end. Because I mean, at launch we didn't really have a lot to play, no. um, and Star Wars Shadows of the Empire had arguably the greatest level in the Star Wars Star Wars uh, game history. So yes. Um, and still pretty good music, even though the sound chip on the N64 required CPU processing power to actually give you good sound. Uh, still, you know, did a decent enough job. Uh, that is that is truly awesome, though, that that you, that you had accepted. Well, they bought the game for the wrong system. Oh, and that the yeah, reason why, I, and I, yeah, and I felt even worse because like, oh, and I also like looked at my presence before uh, Christmas Day, so... I'm a terrible, terrible child, but uh, 
How were you? How were you able to peel back the? I, I take it it wasn't like wrapping paper. Like a yeah, it was like you could get like a corner, and oh. basically I sort of like with a finger, sort of like like fish hooking under one of the corners, and then I just folded it back in, then put other presents on top of it, so they wouldn't see that you know I was obviously picking at it and uh and looking at it and all i saw was like if they had long boxes like super nintendo games and i just saw the narrow end of uh the side so not the long part but i got in just enough of a corner where i saw the n64 logo like that 3dn logo and then wayne Mm -hmm. gretzky's and again being a nintendo power uh subscriber I knew exactly what the launch lineup was. I knew every single game that was on there. I looked at every single screen of every game and knew even some tips and tricks before the thing came out. So I knew exactly what I was looking at. It was, you know, like a gold digger, you know, seeing what, knowing what he saw as soon as he saw it. So, um, yeah, it was a fun time. It was a crazy launch. And you were the cool kid if you had an N64 because those were at very short supply. Like, I'm surprised the three of us all got one. Uh, because uh, a lot of kids went without him. Funny story. My mom um, just recently told me um, that someone she worked with offered to pay her like $800 for my N64 um, so they could give it to their kid. Um, and she wouldn't sell it. Uh, that sounds about right. And I mean, the, yeah. my, my parents did the crazy, like, I don't know if you guys have Leechmere, uh down where you were, but they're out of business now. But it was like a department store. And my parents got up at three in the morning once they found out they were getting the consoles and waited outside in the in the cold. Like it was the one time they've ever done that. Um wow. and, and again, they were like they told me that story like a couple years after. Um it was just like, man, you guys that's that's what love is. It's buying your son a Nintendo 64 and waiting out in the cold. I'm sure parents did it for the Wii and then also stepped on other people as they trampled into the Walmart. But You know, I think it was actually a little bit harder back then, though, because with the Wii, I actually knew a family who um, did something very similar to what you just described. They told their two sons that it wasn't going to work out to get the Wii for them in Christmas of 2006. Um, you know, just because of the big shortages and how many people had bought it everywhere. Um, but actually they had found one on eBay and had already purchased it at the time. And, you know, they paid a markup certainly, but it wasn't insane by any means. It was like, I think they paid like an extra $150, $200 or something like that. Um, but still you could go to eBay as the difference, right? It was so, it was much harder in the nineties to find someone who, who could even sell it to you? Yeah, what are you going to look in like the classified ads or something? Right. So you just have to like do like what my mom's colleague did and and realize that one of your coworkers has it and like beg them to sell it to you. That's like your only real option. So you know, I think that that was like a different level of dedication. Those '90s parents um, waiting outside in the cold and things like that. For sure. Well, that was um, a hell of a launch. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back and talk about. Two best launch titles that it probably had, arguably, in Super Mario 64 and then Wave Race 64. So stick around, we'll be right back.
All right, we're going to be talking about Super Mario 64. This came back in the, the day where, you know, Mario games used to launch with Nintendo consoles and they were genre defining. <laughs> Not so much yeah. anymore, but um, the uh, Super Mario 64 launched in uh, June 23rd, 1995. I'm sorry, 1996 in Japan. And then it came with the launch on September 26, 1996 in the United States. Again, it was a launch title. It was the title that they showed off at E3 uh, 1996 to, uh, you know, great praise. People could not believe the amount of uh, precise control that they had over Mario in this beautiful 3D world. It was obviously uh, worked on by Shigeru Miyamoto as producer, and Koji Kondo worked on the music. Those are pretty much the dynamic duo uh, of Nintendo uh, at the uh, at the time. Obviously, working on games like The Legend of Zelda and things like that. The development of Super Mario 64 took less than two years, but it was reported that producer and director Miyamoto had conceived of a 3D Mario game concept over five years before working on Star Fox. And this is this is interesting uh, because th- this actually came up in the news a little while ago. But um, uh, Argonaut Software's canceled 3D platformer game starring Yoshi that later became Kronk Legend of the Gobos uh, served as an inspiration for the game. So um, I forget the name of the guy. He's um, Dylan Cuthbert, I think, uh, over at uh pixel junk now right yeah it's q games or q games um one of those pixel junk stuff yeah um he came out just a couple months ago saying more or less that they stole his idea like (laughs) super mario 64 was completely his idea and that miyamoto and nintendo just kind of stole all of his work and then claimed it as their own so that's uh you know take that for what it's worth um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I wonder about that. The eight four guys talked about that a few months ago, um, like right after he made those comments, and they seem to have their doubts, and I seem to have my doubts as well. I don't know though. Uh, from what I understand, Cuthbert still has a relationship with Nintendo. He worked on a Star Fox game on the DS, for instance, and I think he's done some like DSiWare stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, he's he's got an interesting history with you know. It, I mean, his history with Nintendo is a. Uh, I forget. I th- no, okay, sorry. This all came out on an article that was on, I think it was like Gamma Sutra or, or Eurogamer or something like that, um, or US yeah. Gamer. But the uh, the the article uh, was a fantastic piece on on Cuthbert and just the, his kind of like how he got into developing games for Nintendo, and then the the cool demo that he did called X for the Game Boy. Um, hopefully you guys can dig that up and, and check it out. It is definitely, uh, it was a great piece. It's definitely worth reading. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it was debated internally, uh, about the orientation of the camera. Should it be free roaming? And that was the biggest thing that they had to figure out is how the camera system would work. Because at the time, this whole 3d world thing was new to everyone. And it was what, if you look at the PlayStation one at the time, all those 3D games were getting it completely wrong. It was so hard to control the camera, but thanks to that um, beautiful analog stick, they were able to figure it out. One unique challenge that the team encountered early on was related to depth perception, which the team remedied through making early objects, uh, 
making every object in the game have a shadow directly below it regarding the area's light. Regardless of the area's light. Man, I'm not reading well today. Developer uh, Koizum uh, would go on to call this feature an ironclad necessity, adding it might not be realistic, but it's much easier to play. So basically all the shadows always show up beneath the object, uh, no matter the sun's orientation. And uh, the cool thing about Super Mario 64 is that it was supposed to have a sequel. It was planned for the Nintendo 64 DD, which was the disk drive system uh, that did come up, come out in Japan with just a handful of games, never made it to America. I wanted that thing so goddamn bad. Um, and it, uh, it was supposed to be released in uh, late 1999. However, the game was canceled due to the failure of the 64 DD, as well as lack of progress in the game's development there was also a uh, re-release of the game on the Nintendo 64 in Japan that uh, supported the Rumble Pack. And uh, there was also a DS remake that we saw called Super Mario 64 DS. Yeah, I think that was a launch title for the DS, if I remember correctly. Correct. Very uh-huh. inspired. <laughs> did either of you guys play the, the DS game for the show? Yes, I did. Oh, awesome. So we're going to get to talk a little bit about that. All right, so... Um, that is the history of Super Mario 64. You're going to get to hear some great music from the game, and then we're going to come back and talk about our history. So stick around. Back in 1996, and sucks for all you out there, but we got N64s and copy of Super Mario 64 for Christmas, so we are opening those things up, and we are playing them and getting our minds blown. So uh, as you go and pop that beautiful Super Mario 64 cart, 
into the N64. Trey, t- tell me what, what's 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 going through your head? Is it just like basically marathon this game all night? Well, you know, like I'm trying to I'm trying to compose myself here because I just got a Nintendo 64, like you said, one of the lucky people, the douchebag kid that lives down the street that's always mean to me. He didn't get an N64, but I did. So I'm thinking in the back of my mind, yeah, yeah, this guy, he, you know. I hope you got a Saturn. Yeah, you know what? I hope or he did Jaguar. Too. I hope he got a yeah, Saturn, Jaguar and then the I hope he got one of those virtual boys that were on clearance. <laughs> I hope that was wrapped and put under his tree, and he opened it up, and the disappointment just rained all over him. Yeah. That's exactly. But that wasn't going through my mind at the time because I've got an N64. I don't care about this guy. I care about Mario. So Mario is the first game I put in there, and I see this giant head pop up and tell me hello. Like, yeah, what? What is this? Did you pull at his face at the first time? Um, you know, I played a demo of the game in in the um, I think it was in Sears that I played it, oh, yeah. and I knew you could do that. So like, I spent like all my time doing the demo, just messing with Mario's face. <laughs> so at this point, I'm ready to get in there and like get going with the game. So I jumped in and you know went to town. The the fact that the levels were like pictures on the wall, you could jump into the pictures, like mind blown. Uh, it it was such an experience for me being the age that I was and, you know, I'm only used to 2D games. Being able to control one of the most well-known, even at that time, he was, you know, universally like the biggest mascot in gaming. Like he's running around in a 3D environment like this is this is freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I was trying to take it all in and, you know, take that with the excitement of I'm playing it on Christmas Day. So like just so many so many things going through my head at the time. It's, it's crazy, man. It's just, you know, it was it was a good experience. I don't I don't remember like how long I played it that day. I just remember being blown away, and you know, it is the N sixty four, man. It was it was awesome. Just like a white flash. Yeah, I mean, like really. I mean, I really. I try to think back on it. And I cannot remember like wh- how far I got, what all I did. Like it was just, it was just like I just know I had it. I know I played Mario. I know I played Mario only on Christmas Day. I think it might have been like a week later before I even popped in Wave Race. Wow. So, yeah. Well, there's it, so much like, content in Mario 64. Yeah, I mean, it, like that, that, you know, that's a game that'll last you for a good long time, especially if you want to get all the stars because at the time, you know, like you didn't have the internet where it was today where people will spoil what happens when you complete the game. I didn't know what would happen if you got all the stars. I didn't even know how many stars there were. I didn't buy a strategy guide for the game, so like I went in this blindfolded, and I was happy about that. That was a good feeling. So you know, imagine my surprise a couple months later when I did get all the stars in the game. Holy crap! This is Fault awesome. Twenty. Yeah, yeah, I, and I was the first one out of the group of friends that I had that did it. So you know, I would I wanted to brag about it, but nobody wanted to hear it. So you know, it was <laughs> it was it was a cool experience. It N sixty four is probably the most exciting console launch I think I've ever experienced. Josh, how about you? What was that? What was that first, you know, trip into the castle and jumping in, going into a three D world where the Goombas like didn't just go left to right? Yeah, I actually first played it at Blockbuster Video. They had a kiosk for it. Um, I think like August of nineteen ninety six. They already had a kiosk, so uh, and that was the only game that they had hooked up. And I would go there like once a week just to play Mario sixty four. I spoiled a little bit of the game for myself that way by playing. Uh, only in the first environment, but still enough that I, I think I'd gotten three or four of the stars and, you know, pretty much knew how the game played. And, um, 
had gotten to explore it a little bit, but like actually having free reign just to be able to run all over the castle's um, area, you know, just like outer area, and uh, to start exploring some of those secrets that I didn't have time to explore in like a 10 minute session at Blockbuster because, you know, obviously my parents didn't want to stand in Blockbuster too long. They were just going to rent something and get out. Um, yeah, that was the big difference. I think I spent time on christmas day like like probably at least an hour just walking around and like trying to climb things i wasn't supposed to climb you know trying to um sequence break i guess uh, which i was familiar with from playing some metroid stuff so i was trying to climb on top of the castle and do all sorts of stuff like that but that was so new at the time you know it was it was was pretty much like my first i know it's not an open world game but it has open world elements and i kind of recognized that from the start that this is the first time that I could just go around the Mushroom Kingdom or something close to the Mushroom Kingdom and explore. Uh, I think I probably got, like, I don't know. I played the game a lot that day. Probably 20, 30, 40 <laughs> stars. Uh, I know. I, I, I think I was about halfway through the main game because I think you can fight Bowser after 80, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was probably about halfway through after the first day, which is pretty good because we always would travel an hour to my grandmother's house and hang out there for a few hours and then come back. Oh, isn't that the worst? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to see Grandma. I know. Like, I mean, you know, I love her to death, but um, Mario 64 only comes around once in a lifetime. Yeah, I mean, God and relatives can wait. I just got a new Nintendo 64 and we're going to church. Wait. Yeah, and and this castle's not going to explore itself. Like, you know, there's weird (laughs) things you can do. There's, like, walls you can walk into. That's why I became a big proponent. Like, we had a pretty religious family growing up, and that's why I was a huge proponent of going on Christmas Eve. I'm like, yeah, let's just do do Christmas Eve, and then we won't, you know, we can stay and relax at home. Uh, Willing (laughs) and dealing as a 10-year-old. But um, Nice. Did it work? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, so when I got the, the Nintendo 64, like, again, Super Mario 64, Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey are the two games that I had on day one. And uh, I was still a little bit of an ADD gamer even at that time. So I was, you know, I played maybe like 45 minutes of Super Mario 64. And really, the biggest thing I can say about, or the most amazing thing about this game is how easy it was to pick up and play. And the controls made sense. And, you know, everything in the world still pretty much followed the rules of Super Mario Brothers, except for the health system. And the the controls were just so easy to to just jump into. And it's something that, I mean, we look at games today where there's like a 30-minute introduction where they're going through all the different controls. And there's still uh, quite a bit of depth in Super Mario 64 being able to do things like backflips, triple jumps. Uh, things like that, and uh, you almost kind of just pick it up naturally because you'll just be like jumping along, and then you'll jump, and jump again. You'll man, I can jump higher if I jump twice in a row. And then you do three times, and then you do a front flip, or sometimes you might just be ducking, and then by mistake hit back, and then jump at the same time and do a back flip. And you're like, oh man, I can totally jump way higher if I just do a back flip. Um, and they made it fun to just walk around and explore like that. Yeah, you know, there was no through your own tutorial, and there was no timer. Like, right. whatever, go explore, do what you want to do. There wasn't like a 300 second timer or whatever, like Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario World. You could just go in and do what you wanted to do, explore at your own pace and mess around. And that was probably the most, th- the thing that kind of blew me away the most was just like the the analog stick. 
Like the analog stick was something that was just so accurate and it allowed me to have so much control over this game. Uh, it, it was just one of those things that was just, I, I found so cool about the system. And uh, to, Did you struggle with the analog stick? This is a question I want to pose to both of you guys. No, like, it, at like, first... it felt so natural. Huh. I, 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 well, again, I don't think I played too, too much of the N64 before the, the launch, like at a, uh, like at a mall or anything like that. But it was, it just felt like it just made so much sense. And the camera system, you never had a fight with it. You were usually like the camera followed you along pretty well. And if you really needed to fine tune it, it wasn't too hard to hit the left and right yellow buttons, uh, the right. C buttons to, to, to change the camera. But that's what, probably stood out the most to me is that the game just it just was just so fine-tuned for a launch game uh it was kind of gross like super mario world same thing i struggled with it the joystick yeah uh, not because of the controls being bad um to this day and i got made fun of a good bit for this i i don't hold an n64 controller like most people do I think most people they have their left hand uh when they're playing a game with the joystick they have their left hand on the on the joystick where their uh index finger can hit the Z button like yes. you're holding it in that middle position. I always and I don't know why I don't know why I adapted to this method but I always had my hand going over the D-pad and I would control the thumb the joystick with my thumb and I would hit the <laughs> D-pad or the Z button with my bottom uh my right ring finger. I don't know why I I don't huh. know like I I know it's still weird, but like I don't know when I played GoldenEye, I was like a baller at GoldenEye just because of that. But I remember getting a lot of crap about the way I held the controller, but it never affected the way I played. I was still able to do everything right. I just never held it like the way most people do. In fact, I'm one of the few people I know that does. I know another person that does. Did but, you make that threat on Gap a couple of years back about no. how to hold an N64 controller? I did not. I, okay, I did not, not know there was such a thread. No. Yes. But yeah, I I did hold I held it different. Um, I don't remember why. It's just like when I first picked up the controller, that's how I held it, and it felt right. So I've tried to change it, and I can't do it. I just can't. Like it's a mental thing now. Huh. So well, fair enough. That th- that was my trouble with it. Like uh, like the controls in Mario, not at all. It was a very fluid game. But you know that that was something I ran into. So, anyways. I struggled a bit at first, um, just because I was so used to D-pads, you know, like digital um, binary, you're either pressing left or you're pressing right or up or down or whatever, and, you know, you hold a run button if you want to run, you don't press the stick a little bit harder, right? Um, yeah. So that was that was just sort of a mental thing for me to adjust to. And I think it's kind of like what Kevin said, I didn't really have a lot of time anytime that I played it at a kiosk to uh, just kind of become accustomed to it. Yeah. And I was then going home and playing stuff on a D-pad again. So, you know, it wasn't like I spent hours all at once. But, yeah, like once I actually had it at home, I became really comfortable with it and saw, hey, this is the future and this is necessary for 3D games. Um, so I was cool with it then. There you go. Just playing too much NBA Jam in the arcade, so I had so much, you know, playing with the <laughs> arcade stick and stuff like that. It just Oh, man. When it wasn't City Hockey, also speaking of arcade. Yeah, I never games. saw one of those machines. I mean, I've seen one since then on like Craigslist when I am stupid and look for arcade machines. But um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it is a, a cool game, nonetheless. What about the? Let's just talk a little bit about you know not only the the intro to the game, but also uh, the the other thing that kind of blew me away was the diversity of the levels, not just like 
a water level and a snow level, but also how super cool the Bowser levels were and how fantastic the music was uh, for those stages. I thought, it was, I mean, that was, I thought that was the best track in the, the whole game were the music for the Bowser stages. Yeah. Like I can still I, rem- remember it to this day. Like I can just, it's still in my head. The only, that was the only thing about the, uh, the video, the Nintendo power tape that came out that I didn't like is like, I knew like how one of the, I didn't, you know, I didn't know there was going to be three Bowser fights, but it, they kind of showed you one of them. So like that fire when I got to that fire level, knowing you know I'd already fought Bowser once, I got to that one. I kind of expected it, but the first time you encounter him, you drop down. All of a sudden, like you hear, you see, you feel the stomping and like that music hits. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. They re- they really uh made Bowser like a badass. I mean he he was it was it was pretty cool. I I definitely like the music though. Yeah, yeah. Well said that he had this sense of like enormity. That now, uh, you, you know, Bowser's not really all that threatening anymore. Certainly. Now, you're, Kevin, you're also talking about the, the like not just the fight itself, but the entirety of the Bowser level, right? The because, whole stage, like, yeah. Yeah, the whole stage. The stage music was awesome. I really like the stage. It, music. it was it, intense. It, like, it, yeah, it was intense. It had like a sense of dread to it. Yeah. And like just the way the levels were designed, like it, they just kind of stood above the rest of the, you know, other worlds because like you know you're like you're on your way to have a showdown with the the man in, or the the turtle himself. But uh, and also those were the best. Like those were, I kind of look at the Bowser levels as Nintendo saying, "Yeah, this game's a lot more exploration based than it is platformer, like traditional Mario games." But these Bowser levels are platforming levels, yeah, through and through. Like there's plenty of obstacles, and you know you, you have to do really precise jumps and things like that more so than you have to in the other levels, where it's more about like figuring out a puzzle or something like that. So um, I really appreciate those levels for that reason. Like going back and playing the game again recently, um, I, I realized that like you know you can almost turn the camera to the side and just play it like a two D platformer um, in those levels from time to time. Well, I mean, in, and also the, the the other great thing about the game is that it still carried over a lot of the tropes from previous Mario games. Like there were so many secrets throughout that game: secret stages, secret stars. Uh, and it allowed for discovery. Like you, you would open up a door, and normally you just go to like the first. It's like the uh, stained glass windows uh, that you find right at the beginning of the game, and then you go to that middle stained glass window, and you can't jump into it. And then you try to jump on the one on the left, you can't get into it. And then the one on the right, and then you go into a um, a slide stage. Uh, it was just there were so many cool things like that, and then finding the the flying cap, like all that stuff were you know, still in the realm of like playground or Nintendo power tips that you needed to, to figure out how to get this stuff. And right. And then just shortly after that, N64.com came. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's a really good point that, um, in terms of there's not a bunch of really long tutorials and there's all sorts of things to find, you know I mean? Like even, um, in, in one of the slide levels, like you were just mentioning, you know, you can like clip through a wall, but it's intentional um, in order to get like a big shortcut. You know, just like little things like that throughout the whole game. It's just it's just fascinating to play. Did they take some of that out in the DS version, Trey? Did you notice? I know I'm kind of I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Take, take some of what out? Some of like like sliding through the wall, for instance, on the slide. I honestly don't know. I didn't try. I, I bet it's still there. I think it was pretty intentional. So I, I yeah. Bet it's still it, there. It, 
probably is. I, I didn't try though. Yeah. Well, let's. Um, uh, you, oh, go. Let me ask this also. Have either one of you played the Japanese version with Rumble? No. No, I have the Jap. I played through the Japanese version for for this week. But um, let's let's take a quick break because that way this part I can put in more music because I guess there is too much good music from this game. So stick around. Here's some more music. We're gonna go to the future. Back in 2013, and we have hooked up our respective Nintendo 64s. We have charged up our DSs and 3DSs and potentially downloaded this game on the Nintendo Wii Shop, but not the Wii U Shop because, of course, there is no parity between the two. Uh, oh, by the way, if you care, they just released Super Mario Brothers on the Wii U Virtual I Console. Know, I don't know if you saw any of you who follow me on Twitter, but I actually um, got into Oh, I tweeted back at Nintendo when they celebrated that and acted as if it was something to be excited about i saw that and i i did the same and then i deleted it um because i to be honest like i i said what did i say like really thank you or something like or i said something like that's pathetic but um you know again i like to show respect to the individual manufacturers um just because man nintendo they've done so much right by me i can't you know i can't yell at them directly and it's just some poor you know guy working a social media account yeah and i sort of realized that and i was having a really bad day i try not to do things when i'm just having a bad day you know um but i just couldn't help myself it was just so it was so irritating that they were you know saying well you can now do you remember what you said 10 months later uh, no, I don't. I, I'll look it up real quick. It wasn't it wasn't that much of a zinger, but uh, I think it was, it might it was just have kind of brutally honest. Yeah, I think I favorited it and showed my my support that way, just because it was a 
I mean, it's just one of those weird things. And obviously multiple other people did the same thing. Uh, just kind of, it's such a weird thing, but anyways, uh, yeah. Okay. I have it right here real quick. Um, so I said at Nintendo of America, I love you, Nintendo, but the slow rollout of VC games is incredibly boring. I choose to not keep up with it at all. Oh, whoa, man. Are you sure you want to keep that on there? Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm keeping it on there. All right. I'm just saying, you know, your potential employers down the road might see that. Well, I mean, look, look, look look at it this way, okay? We're in the social media age now. Sure, the guy that's sending out the tweets is not the guy responsible for what's going on, but they can send out those tweets. They can dang sure hear people complain about when something's wrong. You can't obviously tweet the people in charge of Nintendo, so this guy, unfortunately, is going to have to take the heat. Somebody's got to. Yeah, I mean, there's I, a lot of frustrated Nintendo fans out there. I mean, somebody's got to take the heat. I will say it's totally worth following uh, Bill Trinan on uh, Twitter. He's obviously worked for the Nintendo Treehouse. Uh, but that guy is super, super awesome and super nice. Um, I would he never is. send my complaints his way. Um, Love him. So anyways, uh, we're here to talk about Super Mario 64, revisiting the game that we all opened up. Uh, let's see. Almost 17 years ago? Oh. No, 16 years ago, this Jesus. this December. Um, the game's old enough to drive now. It is, and hopefully it's probably doing some underage drinking. No, probably not. It's probably, I mean, who knows? It depends. Like in Japan, drinking age is a lot younger anyway. So, yeah, the, Wade uh, is probably the underage drinker. Wade, yeah. Not hopefully on a jet ski. That's that's a, mm-hmm. that's vehicular or vehicular. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So, Anyways, uh, <laughs> this game holds up super, super well. That's probably the biggest thing I noticed, and I'm playing through on my Japanese Nintendo 64 because why not? I wanted to challenge myself and say, Kevin, how, mon- how many of these stars can you remember what they are uh, without um, you know having to look up? I eventually had to look up a... Uh, a guide to see what the names are like the the hints are for all the stars on the levels um, because I could not read the Japanese but uh, that's the first impression that I got Trey I want to throw it to you because not only uh, did you play it on an N64 but you also played it on a Nintendo DS so what was that experience like it was different but not as good um I played on the 64. I got all 120 stars, and it took me like three days, I think. So, yeah, nerding it up right there. But uh, the the DS version, not the definitive version. Granted, if you've never played the N64 version and you don't want to go out and buy a 64 in the game and you have a DS, then, yeah, get it on there. But it's – okay, so I played it on the 3DS, and it's got the analog stick, but it's not the same experience as the N64. And the reason that is is because they map the controls different. Uh, you have to hit a button to control Mario's speed, whereas on the N64, depending on how you push the joystick, you know Mario can walk, he can, you know, jog, and then he can run full sprint. So it was kind of tied to the joystick. Whereas on the DS version, it's mapped to a button press. So you hold B and then flick the joystick, and that's how you run. Otherwise, if you just flick the joystick, then you're walking. So it, it was a little bit different control-wise. And then obviously the biggest thing you don't you don't even start the game as Mario you start as Yoshi. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, you start as Yoshi and you have to save Mario, Luigi, and Wario, uh, and as well as Princess Peach, obviously. But you know that the game starts off a little different. 
uh, you find them, and then eventually you can switch between the four characters. Yoshi can, plays a little bit different than the three uh, Mario-inspired characters. Uh, Mario, Luigi, and Wario, they all use the Mario like controls pretty much, except that they each have like one little special move that makes them different than the others. So um, a lot of the stars in the game, they're tailored to a character's certain ability, and you got to kind of figure out which one you need to use to get that certain star. So it's it's different, but I mean, it, it's got some good things going for it. But at the same time, there's things about it that you know are just kind of meh. The controls being the number one. So, and and I will say, you know, playing this game, I, I like I said, I played it on a Japanese N sixty four through the um, the unbelievable frame meister. And it does look really, really – sorry, there's motorcycles going by my house. Uh, playing it on uh, my 55-inch TV, it just looks uh, fantastic. And I think it really might be the, the best way to play is either you know through a Frame Meister, through a CR, CRT, or on the uh, the Wii. Because, um, you know, Trey, we were talking a little bit before, going through composite on an HDTV by itself, not the uh, the best-looking picture in the world. No, not ideal at all. It doesn't look terrible, uh, but no, it's not. It's not ideal. You definitely your freemaster probably puts it to shame. So totally worth that three hundred fifty bucks, guys. Um, yeah. Also, uh, Josh, how did you play through the game? Um, I played both on the actual N sixty four because I have my retro game room set up now at the new house. And I also played, um, and that was on a CRT television, by the way, so it's looking pretty good on there. And I also played some of the Wii Virtual Console version, which I did not really like playing it very much on the Virtual Console, aside from it you know, having some smoothing and kind of looking nice, being up to 480p or whatever, because um, I was using... Uh, the I was it was through HDMI through the Wii U and all that so yeah I guess it was at 480p anyway um, I didn't like it very much so just because it's a game that I I just have trouble playing with any controller but the N64's controller because it's so ingrained in my brain that way um, and so I was playing it with the classic controller Pro uh, one of those cool gold ones hooked up to my gold Wiimote that uh, came with Skyward Sword. But anyway, uh, was that was really it, it just the the stick just feels kind of loose. I don't know. Um, so I recommend playing it on the actual N sixty four. Those of you who are feeling that dedicated, it, it just it just feels right. Yeah, there's no better way. Yeah, well, the, especially on a CRT TV. The the thing that you're going to run into though, and I I was very lucky. Like I said, the, one of the reasons why I played through on my Japanese N sixty four is because I was able to get a bunch of four N sixty four controllers. Um, overseas with perfect sticks. The thing with that you need to watch out for if you decide to go on eBay and say, hey, you know, I just listened to this episode. I really want to get an N64 now. Uh, make sure you kind of look through the description or look at the pictures and, and see if they describe how the sticks are because the sticks on N64 controllers are notoriously, um, I, would, I would probably say they, they don't hold up very, very well. Um, so watch out because you might get like a really, really loose stick on an N64 controller that can really hurt your experience. Um, That's a good point. And, and yeah, and the, the other thing I was going to say, there are um, people that make like uh, N64 controllers that they sell on Amazon and eBay that are not official. They are just more or less, um, you know, third party, try to redressing up the controller. Those aren't good. 
they the the six on them are terrible. Um, do not waste your money on them. It, it would be you'd be better off going on eBay looking at someone that's selling like a controller in good or great condition and that mentions the kind of the play on the stick just so you can uh, make sure you're getting a, a good experience with that. And like I said, I. It, it was such a weird time machine. Like doing this podcast is, is always kind of like a time machine, but uh, playing this game itself and then going into that first world and then going to the top of the mountain and you have your first mini boss battle. It is just like, man, they like, they were for real with this game. Like you have a mini boss battle in the first three minutes of the game. Um, mm-hmm. And not only that, but everything everything kind of about it is still super playable you can pick it right up and be like yeah man it's just like 15 years ago it's 16 years ago it is not something that uh aged poorly at all it like if you kind of like compare it to super mario galaxy they're still pretty similar (laughs) like in in terms of how they control and stuff um and yeah, and if anything, you've lost some abilities over time. Exactly. That's that's the crazy part. It is just such a a, a milestone. It's just such a, a a fantastic game that is is certainly certainly timeless. And and Trey, like you you kind of ran through the game, but what kind of stood out to you revisiting it? Everything, everything about that game. It holds up. It's just, uh, you know, I still get the same cool feeling when I'm going up against Bowser. It's just. You know, that was the first three 3D game I played, and it was just so immersive. Every world's got a unique design to it. It's just, it's just, you know, it's one of the one of the best games I've played, just simply because it's so unique. It's so varied, and like, I, like in terms of a design standpoint, everything about it is just awesome. Um, whether you had, you know, you got a snow level, you got a level where stuff's bigger, and then you can go back in when stuff's smaller. It's like it. Like that one level, I kind of can't remember the name of it now, but uh, like the fact that you you know there's two different ways to play it from a small perspective and from a yep. big perspective, it's like it's awesome. I mean, it's just it's a sweet you know game. Everything about it holds up, and a lot you know for a game that's 16 years old, that's saying something. What is so, and it's like the like there's so many levels like you said like there's not only those initial levels but then there's like the Egyptian py- uh, pyramid. That was just, I hate that level. Oh, I, it, ooh, it's a pain level. in the ass. But it was just such like a, a cool level to be like climbing along, uh, or uh, like the fence and stuff like that, like in Super Mario World. But now I'm like hanging from the fence and then uh, you know climbing across. He's got great upper body strength. But the uh, the game uh, itself <laughs> just it like I literally forgot how many levels were in that game. Like I thought, oh man, there's like you know, 12 stages, but the thing is jam packed. Like there's, you know, quite a few stages, uh, quite a bit. There are a ton of stages that, uh, spread out those 120 stars. Yeah. And like we mentioned before, just so many secrets and it is crazy how much you remember if from a game yeah. that is that important to you, how much you remember. And you're like, Oh yeah, I totally remember how to get the, those secret stars. I know the order to go through to get the stars in this level. I don't have to go in the order. Like, you know, the list tells me, um, it is just, it is one of those games that you can pick up, and it is just pure fun. There's no real violence. It's just, it's just a game you can go do to be happy. Yeah. Until you start I, throwing it, your controller about two hours in. 
Yeah, and that'll happen too. There's some frustrating parts about it. And you know, like that that uh, Egyptian level you're talking about. That is that's a good example of a level being very like gigantic in, sto- in scope because you got stars that you got to do stuff on the outside, but then inside the pyramid is like a whole other level. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's it's very like elaborate. I mean, like for you know a game that old. Like I keep going about the age, and I like the point you made about the controls with Galaxy. And then in 64, they feel really similar. I mean, like, I think that's part of the reason I was able to, you know, get so good at Galaxy so early on because, like, it felt so familiar. And um, actually, Super Mario Sunshine's one of the few Mario games I've actually not really played anything of. But I, I remember I got it, and then I played a little bit of it, and, like, the controls there felt familiar, too. So, like, they've done a good job of kind of evolving that control scheme, but also keeping it very familiar. Because I mean, it works. It really does. It's 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 a you know it's basic in theory, but I mean the way it just plays out, it's really good. So mm-hmm. you know that was a good point. How about you, Josh? How about uh, how about that Super Mario sixty four? Uh, I often am asked the question, "What's the best game ever made?" And this is always my answer. And I, I know that that might seem a little bit ridiculous, but I, I just I think that it's uh, sort of Nintendo at their prime. I mean, some people would argue that's linked to the past, and I could see that argument. Um, <clears throat> or, or maybe something like Super Mario World. Uh, but for me, it's Mario 64, just in terms of innovation, and Nintendo just saying, okay, we're going to do something that no one else is doing, um, and, and it's going to be huge in scope. We're going to take this trusted, beloved character and uh, make him do things that you've never seen him do before. So anyway, I, I love it. I love the game so much. Still do. And I think I appreciate the diversity of the levels even more now after our last few mainline Mario games having been the New Super Mario Brothers games. Um, I definitely appreciate the diversity. Aside from that Picasso level, um, Right, wasn't that wasn't there a Picasso level in New Super Mario Brothers? You, there, sorry, sorry, there, night. There was, was uh, but no, it was. Um, I, I well, I, I haven't played the game, but yeah, I heard people on like Eight Four talking about that. Yeah, it's gorgeous. That's gorgeous. But see, like, there's just so much variety and diversity in the levels. Um, it still holds up really well. It's a blast to play. I mean, and, and there's like weird missions, like in the um, in the Snow World, um, taking that penguin to its mother. Yeah. You know, it just uh, really quirky things they were asking you to do. That and were then throwing the, the penguin realm. off the edge. That funny, awful crying. Oof. Yeah. Th- funny story. Speaking of crying in the penguin. Um, so my wife uh, grew up with the N64 being her first console. It was my third or fourth or whatever. But it was her very first console because she's a couple years younger than me. And um, Super Mario 64 was a game she obviously had, just like pretty much everybody who had the console. And she was telling me that as a as a girl. Um, she threw the penguin off one day, like to sort of be mean, and then she um, felt terrible right afterwards and actually like s- sat down and cried, <laughs> <laughs> like in, in real life, just like sat down and, and wept for several minutes. Yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> I think it really just struck an emotional chord with all of us. Well, let's. Uh, uh, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So anyway, so apparently there's more gravitas to this game than than we could have ever possibly imagined. Um, yeah, that, that's all I wanted to say. I just wanted to embarrass my wife on air real quick. How? Um, I mean, you guys played 3D Land, right? Yep. Yes. 
did I got such I think the reason why I enjoy that game so much is it felt so much like Super Mario 64 like a sequel to Super Mario 64 where it really wasn't a sequel to Galaxy it felt like this is the sequel to Super Mario 64 it felt great maybe not maybe I'm um well, I, I was it I was, was a 3D get... Mario that wasn't on the 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 you know scale of Galaxy so obviously it had to be but I I like 3D Land more than Galaxy whoa uh, I'd, I'd say 64 is probably my favorite. I kind of go back and forth on this, but 3, 3D Land's in my top three Mario games, without a doubt. That game was awesome. Uh, Sequel-wise, I, I didn't get that vibe playing it. I don't know. It kind of felt like a unique experience because it kind of combined, like, you know, you had the world select kind of like in the older Mario games, but then, like, each level kind of felt separate from the one you just played before it. So, like, it didn't feel like there was a connection. But mm-hmm. it, like, you know... From a 3D perspective, I really, really that game. It clicked with me more than Galaxy did. Uh, I mean, like I like Galaxy too. I think Galaxy's great, but something about uh, 3D Land just meshed more with me. So, are you guys cool? Um, because I actually don't love 3D Land all that much. Um, so, I, so I'm the odd man out in this conversation. Um, are you guys cool with taking out that like open world exploration stuff? Um, and and because the, the gameplay in 3D Land is awesome. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I think it's a great game, but uh, I, you know, they they take it and they make it more of like a linear level structure. Um, so you, are you guys cool with that as long as the platforming is good? Well, I think it just makes sense for the the you know console that it's on being a portable. Yeah. You know, it's a lot easier to just pick up, go right into exactly. the next level, go into it, play it, and instead of having to search around an area for the next level. Um, and to be honest, like I think that would that was just them trying to do like like to be adding the castle really didn't do much for me. Like I didn't really man, I love this castle. I mean, it was cool to go outside and, like, look around outside. And then, I mean, to be honest, in Mario Kart 64, like, one of the first things I did was on that stage drive my cart over to the uh, yeah. over to the castle to be like, <laughs> oh, man, is it, like, anything different? Is it the same? And all that stuff. I mean, that was really the the biggest thing that I got out of that. But to be honest, like, the, the structure of the level select didn't mean – Jack and I liked having tons of different levels instead of going back to the same level over and over and over again. Yeah, I, I get what you mean, um, and there's there's merits for both approaches, but I, I still kind of hope that one day Nintendo will make something that that feels like a Super Mario sixty four two to me in terms of a huge overworld. Yeah, I'm um, gonna get it with. Yeah, have you seen world. Nintendo the last oh. couple of years? Yeah, I know, I know. This is this is me dreaming. You'll get three D world, I guess. But. Yeah, that's. That that like see three D Land's great because it was on handheld, mm-hmm. but like they're taking they're taking the Super Mario Brothers U or two or one or you know you know they're all like the same type game. They're taking the multiplayer aspect of that and then taking three D Land and like merging them and putting it on Wii U. We've already been mu- super angry about this on the show. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, I mean, I'd much prefer just a, a Galaxy Three, but I mean, like, it, I mean, it kind of goes back to it. Nintendo, you know. That's that's this is Nintendo 2013 versus Nintendo 2000 or 1995 and six. Right, completely different. I have to so, accept that. Yeah, Mario 64 was, you know, a gem. It's unfortunate that they don't want to replicate it. You know. Well, how about we? Uh, you guys like jet skis? A little bit. You guys want? Yeah. You guys want? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's getting cool. kind of cold out, but um, I figure we throw on the wetsuits. We. 
go into a wave race 64. That was my that's my Josh Hillier impression. We'll be right back. <laughs> Okay, now for the second game in the launch lineup for the Nintendo 64, uh, we got Wave Race 64, appropriately named, because every single game that came out for Nintendo 64 had 64 after it. I'm looking at you, Hexen 64, Quake 64, Doom 64, Duke Nukem 64, all those great first-person shooters that made their way over to Nintendo 64. Uh, don't forget, lest uh, we not forget Star um, StarCraft sixty four, which was also a really strange thing to have released. Oh yeah, that actually did come out in Star Fox sixty four, Mario Kart sixty four, oh, Donkey man. Kong, Donkey Kong sixty four. Yeah, um, Double Dragon. No, that didn't come out. All right, um, <laughs> Clay Fighter sixty three and a third, which was so funny. Man, I totally right. own Clay Fighter on Super Nintendo. Um, all right, yeah, Wave Race. Wave Race 64 came out in September 27th, 1996 in Japan, along with the launch over there, in, and on November 5th, 1996, a little bit later here in America, a little bit post-launch. But, I mean, let's be real, the launch was Christmas Day, because if you got one before that, your parents were either super rich or you were an adult, so it's no fun. So the... Yeah. Uh, the cool thing about Wave Race 64 is that the game was actually sponsored by Kawasaki uh, and featured product placement from Coca-Cola uh, in the form of Fanta, the great drink Fanta that everyone loves. Yeah, Wanta You guys Fanta. might have that down in Atlanta, but I don't think anyone I mean, really drinks it here. In, in our uh, break room at Best Buy, we have a vending machine that's got peach Fanta in it. That hmm. sounds pretty good. Yeah, Georgia uh, man. Oh, oh yeah, makes sense. Um, Wave Race 64 was originally developed as a racing game featuring futuristic speedboats that changed forms by retracting or expanding. It was changed due to similarities with the development of F-Zero X. And uh, to be honest, it, it sounds a lot like um, 
the uh, transformation or like Wipeout, and then also uh, Arctic Thunder. And what was it? What is it? Not Arctic Thunder, but what was Hydro it? Thunder? Hydro Thunder. Um, yeah, and Excite Bots a little bit. Yeah, Excite Bots. That's a good game. Um, yeah, it is. And the cool thing about this game is that it featured amazing wave physics for the time, like the dynamic and uh, lifelike wave physics that this game gave people and presented was just like unheard of and unseen at the time uh it also got a rumble pack re-release eventually in japan and uh its composure was uh kazumi totaka uh also known for a beautiful soundtrack for link's awakening uh the animal cross series and Mm. yoshi's island that i did not know so let's um that was a short history thing but let's go right into the uh the game and our memories itself just because uh there's only so many edits we can make into a podcast before <laughs> people go nuts myself. So I I'm going to be real. I'm going to start off first because I don't have a lot of memories of this game. The kid down the street from me had Wave Race 64 it was like the one game that he had that I didn't own uh at launch. So I mean, I didn't really play it that much, and it never grabbed me. I just never got the appeal of this game because it was hard <laughs> to pick up. Yeah, I just sucked at the game, and the kid kept beating me, so I didn't want to play it anymore. Um, yeah, I, I, this is a game that you need some time to like really get used to the physics, you know. And, and like, I, <laughs> funny story, I had a, a buddy who I'm still close friends with today, and we played the game um, when we were 12 years old or whatever. And the first time we played multiplayer, I didn't tell him what to do. And so he thought he was supposed to drive into the buoys. And I just never said anything about it. And just let him keep crashing and falling off as he hit <laughs> buoy after buoy after buoy. Well, you're an ass. That's the kind of friend I am uh, when I play multiplayer games. But yeah, man, that sounds tough to have to go to your pal's house and try to figure out how to play the game like that. I uh, that's, that's not cool. Who did you choose to play as, do you remember? No, and I... You know, at the time, like limited budget, I wasn't going to buy, I wasn't really into racing games. You know, if I was going to get a racing game, I would rent that thing because you can like get through them. Like if I want to play Lamborghini 64, I rent that thing and I play it in a weekend. Oh, but it's not about getting through it. It's about uh, setting new times. I've never been a time trials guy or like like, that's never been my thing. I don't know. I, I was pretty hot for time trials back then. Not so much now. Um, so am I our resident Wave Race-obsessed person then? I played it. Uh, it wasn't my favorite game by any means. The, one, the memory that sticks out to me, um, because uh, I, had a, I had a birthday party, and I had friends come over, and we wanted to play Wave Race, and I got made fun of because, what, what was I? I was in either fifth or sixth grade when this came out. I think fifth grade. And uh, you can rename the, the racers in the game. And the first guy, I don't remember what his original name was, but I, I, I was him. Then I had two of my buddies that were the other two guys. And one of them got really mad at me because the fat guy is who I named him after, even though he wasn't fat. He took, very, <laughs> he took offense to that. Um, so that happened. And then uh, a girl that I had a crush on, I named her after the girl racer. And I got made fun of. And I remember getting mad and making everybody go home. Wow. Yeah. They ruined the party. I said, this party's over. I pulled an Eric Cartman. No, man, said, that's an appropriate reaction. That's appropriate. I'm on or, your you side know, of that. 
for, for being ten years old. Yeah, that's appropriate. You make fun of me, I kick you out of my house. My my, my mom was so pissed, dude. She's like, "You're really gonna make me call their parents to come get him?" Yep. Wow. <laughs> I'm, with him. I'm with him out of here now. She, she uh she called her parents. They came and got him, and then she took my controllers away from me, so I didn't have my controllers. So that whole weekend was like ruined because those kids made fun of me, and I made sure they knew that too. You ruined my weekend, buttholes. Yeah. But, um, what, what what about this girl? Oh, she never. I I don't know if she found out about her or not. Okay. Uh, so it didn't turn into some sort of romance. No, coincidentally enough, about six months later, I ended up uh, leaving the school that I was at. So. Okay. Uh, that's a ooh, story for another time. I don't know how we gotcha. could ever. Incor- I don't know how we can incorporate that into games. Except the kid, the, the reason I left the school, let me borrow an N sixty four game one time. Maybe I could find a way to weave that into it. But uh, um, anyways, uh, Wave Race sixty four. I remember um, being trolled by the announcer when you missed the buoys. Um, <laughs> I did not like him. I think he said something like, "Oh no!" Every time you'd miss one, and then like when you got down to the second to last one. He'd give you like a warning or something, but yep. uh, I, I did not like the announcer. I remember beating it on uh, the three difficulties, but I never beat it on reverse. I think there was like one level I couldn't just I could never win that level, so I never beat it on reverse. Was it the but, foggy one? Yes. Yeah, yep, that's, that's the that's one. Hard on reverse. Yeah, it is. It's really hard, but uh, yeah, it was a fun game. Um, it you know, I I didn't invest as much time into it as I probably should have, but I played it a good bit more recently, but, you know, and at the time, it was a game I got, and I figured, well, you know, I got this, so I'm going to play it, and I was decent at it. So, so Josh, why is this a classic, and why did I still not pick it up once it hit the player's choice price of thirty nine ninety nine? Um, It is a classic. By the way, I can't speak for why you spent $110 on Shadows of the Empire, but would not spend $40 on Wave Race. That's Are uh, you... Are you you're you're kidding me! It, it Dash Rendar should that's canon. Uh, yeah, I get it. I just don't know. He is Han Solo's like buddy. All right, I had a ship yeah. that looked like the Millennium Falcon. It wasn't as big and might not have been as fast, but I preferred it. Honestly, I had a great stubble. <laughs> it looked like I just didn't care enough to shave, so all the women were on me when I went to Tatooine. All that. That's about the extent of my Star Wars. Yeah, I did. I never experienced that side of it. Um, so perhaps I would have paid one hundred and ten dollars. Man, we should have um, done Shadows of the Empire. Man, I got that yes. in Japanese too. Did I call it Shadow of the Colossus a minute ago? I have no idea. I probably did. That's just like what always comes out when I say Shadow of the. Um, but anyway, why is Wave Race a classic? I don't know how much of it is just like I became weirdly obsessed with it, and how much of it is that it is a classic. I think I think it still holds up really well, though. But anyway, I have so many memories of I could play Wave Race like every day. I turn on my blue lava lamp, and uh, yes, I know it was 1996, not the 70s, but I had a blue lava lamp, and I turn on the alternative rock radio station in my town, and I would turn the sound off of Wave Race, um, which shows I didn't really like the soundtrack all that much, which is why I was surprised it's the Animal Crossing guy, because that soundtrack is so good. Anyway, um, and it's just like, it was so deep. Like, the physics um, and and uh, the mechanics of the game. Like, I played that game religiously for like two years. Um, and I mean, like, I played it every day for two years. And I got a little bit better, like, every week. 
like I would shave off like one second off of my time um, off of a course, and that would be enough for me to keep playing. It was almost like this zen-like state that you could reach while playing it. Um, and I also have always been a big fan of jet skiing and um, hanging out at the lake and everything. So uh, maybe it just made me feel like at peace during the winter time when I couldn't do those kinds of things. Uh, and uh, I don't know; those physics were really ahead of their time. Like there are games that I play now uh, where where I'll be driving a boat or something or swimming and there are waves and things that hit you. And it just feels, you know, and I say to myself, this is not as good as wave race 64, um, half-life two being one of them when you're on the speedboat, you know, as much as I love that game, it's like, it, it wasn't even as good as wave race 64 in terms of physics. So I think it deserves to be commended for just the sheer depth of the gameplay. It's probably a little bit limited in terms of features and things you can do once you've you know played through the game if you're not in the time trials and time attack and all that. But if you are, oh my goodness, you can you can get so much life out of that game. That's my spiel, is that um, it's a classic because of the depth and the physics being so advanced for their time. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to talk about revisioning this game and the challenges that I faced in 2013 trying to play a jet ski game on a 64-bit console. Stick around. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back in 2013, and again, you know, luckily we already had our N64s hooked up, and we plugged in Rave Wave Race 64. Um, again, probably to my disadvantage, I played this in Japanese, but I actually went through the uh, work to go on YouTube and look at some like playthroughs on, to get some like tips and tricks on how to to be better at this game. And it's still like super hard. And it was what Josh was just talking about before. Like you more or less have to learn how to deal with the waves. Like that's right, what I started figuring out. Enough, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not like, you know, learning to drift or something like that. It's just like learning to react before you land on, you know, on like basically what the, the angle of the water is. And it, it just man, I don't know how you guys like got good at that game at such a young age. Like even today, I struggle to get through a course. Like it's super hard. Maybe I just am really bad at jet ski games. Trey, did you have uh, any problems going back to it? I wasn't nearly as good at it uh, as I once was. So there was that. But um, it, it, you know, funny enough, uh, my characters were still named after those people <laughs> uh, on the game. <laughs> So that that maintained a little bit of uh continuity there. But um I yeah, I, I wasn't nearly as good. I I beat it on normal. I tried hard. 
uh, I got frustrated and I went back to Mario 64. Um, I ended up playing it a little bit more, but I just raced through it on normal trying to see. I, I wanted to do the dolphin trick where you can ride the dolphin. So I spent most of my time playing it doing that. So, Oh, yeah. How do you do that? I don't remember. You have to um, you have to go into stunt mode and do uh, a certain amount of tricks under dolphin under in Dolphin Park. Um, you have to go through like all the rings and then do like I, th- I think you have to do like a handstand. You have to do a bunch of different. I think it's like six different tricks. And then you uh, when you cross the finish line, the dolphin like kind of comes up under you. Then you can go to the championship race, hold down, and they'll let you ride the dolphin. Ah, uh, yeah, that was so cool. So, yeah, it was pretty neat. Josh, before you start. Uh, going into this i will say my favorite part about the game is probably the a broken record kind of thing but the music is fantastic it's really really good (laughs) okay and my wife uh i I always talk to her about whatever i'm playing um especially if it's like on the n64 or something that she has memories of and uh i was telling her about playing it with the lava lamp and the alternative rock radio station and everything and and she was like hold on a second what do you mean you turned the sound down and you played rock radio instead um so perhaps i don't know maybe there's just something wrong with me but like think of okay think about this one track that's like predominantly organ music um i I can't remember the name of the track right now it's the one that like adapts like after the second lap like a wall opens you know i'm talking about it's like really industrial looking you're like riding through like this industrial park kind of area. Yeah, I, I see where you're going. Yeah, um, this organ song that's just like I mean it, it's it's like a really bad um, like Doors B side or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it is rough, um, but yeah, I, I, probably the rest of the music is pretty good. Like the title, so the title screen music is really good. It gets you in the so, mood to, to to you know jump with some jet skis and go to the beach. Yeah, you know, maybe I, uh, I don't know. I was probably a little too cool for school back then. That might have been the problem. And, and the Doors B-sides, dude. I mean, you know, I, I won't get into talking about the Doors right now so we can keep as many listeners as we can. All right. Uh, music, let's... yes, you were talking about music being good. Trey, thoughts on the music? It was good. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, okay. Let's be real. The You're star of this episode is Super Mario 64. Wave Race is the game that people get along with Super Mario 64, and it's the same way with this podcast. It's the segments that you get along with the Super Mario 64 segments. So, um, play the game. Love the physics. Um, multiplayer frame rate doesn't always hold up so much. Wouldn't really recommend split screen multiplayer, but. I mean, if you guys want to get into some time trials, um, if you finish Mighty Switch Force or something like that, and you want to do some time trials, Wave Race. It's kind of the uh, ultimate game for that. Throw the controller. Just throw yes, it and you, break it before you start playing. Just make sure that your stick does not break, because then you have to buy some other controller and hope that the stick is good, like Kevin was talking about earlier. Yeah, don't do it, actually. The N64 controllers are you know, pretty expensive these days. Um All right, so that was kind of a short segment, but uh, we're going to come back with a bunch of cool new stuff and some discussions on uh, I Bought a Wii U. Stick around.
Gabriel here for the news, and uh, we actually do have a decent amount of stuff to talk about, being that we haven't done one of these in a month. But the uh, thing I want to lead into is that uh, Nintendo announced a price drop on the Wii U and a Zelda bundle uh, with Zelda The Wind Waker coming in as a download code into a special uh, Wii U package that came with a, uh, a, uh, what's that thing called? Gamepad with uh, Zelda E gold <laughs> stuff on it, kind of like the 3DS that they put out. And uh, you know what? It's um, it you is it. it's a disappointment, man. <laughs> Holy crap! And I also bought Zombie U, but it's still in the in the the package. But um, I was kind of looking at this as a. I went to Best Buy. Um, actually like pre-ordered it before it came out because I'm like, oh yeah, maybe it's about time I get a Wii U. And like, I remember like Nintendo Direct had some good stuff, right? I, I have a question before you get into, before you get into this, cause it won't work if I say it after by disappointment, you mean disappointment by not buying it sooner, right? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean like, I mean, I don't Sorry. know how people can defend this thing because the, in the, the, the good, the only good thing about it is that Wind Waker is kind of a cool game to revisit and it looks pretty good. Unfortunately, there's still like a good amount of slowdown when there's lots of stuff going on on the screen, um, which is kind of weird, but uh, the game looks good. I think that the game pads are right. The battery is terrible on the game pad. The, yes, it is. The, but that design, man, that design, it's just... Mm. I mean, the, the Zelda stuff that's on it looks all right, but uh, to be honest, man, I wish I knew. I probably would have just traded my gamepad uh, to, to you. But the... Uh, mm. Anyways, the, the, the Wii U itself, um, first off, I was... I don't know if we did talk about this. Maybe we talked about this through email together, but I was so pissed when they announced this bundle with a download code instead of a disc version because again now the the game is attached to that piece of hardware um mm-hmm. so that's fantastic so if i wanted to sell it i basically lose the game too um also the uh i also noticed like the the wii u what's it called the uh like the universe or what what's it called the uh, meverse the meverse not super like not super interesting. I I just like the whole thing about it, it's underwhelming. The menu still take forever. I thought they fixed this, but like it still takes like twenty seconds to go and boot up the, the eShop or to go to the console settings. You should apparently have been there before. Yeah, apparently but there's another update coming out this fall. Apparently it's supposed to really kinda overhaul a lot of the stuff well the big thing about it is that it's 299 dollars plus tax uh and on on top of that i then like all right i got a wii u let's go to amazon.com let's pre-order some stuff and you know let's get let's get real and i i go on there and i look at the upcoming games and i'm like why the hell did i buy this thing (laughs) because you have uh super mario land what is it? Uh, Super Mario 3D World. Super Mario 3D World. The Pikmin 3, which is out, which unfortunately, you know, no offense, I just never really got into the Pikmin games, and I watched some footage of it on, on Giant Bob, and it just didn't do a lot for me. I played the Wonderful 101 demo that I liked, but I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to 
it's just one game. I can always buy that when it gets a little bit cheaper because it's not selling. And um, again, looking down the road, I was like, all right, there's Mario. There's Mario Kart. Uh, there's the um, Monolith Soft game that's going to be coming. That looks, I mean, from the th- three seconds we've seen of the game, looks great. Like X. X, yeah. Um, there's eventually going to be a new Zelda. Smash. Uh, did you say Smash already? I don't. I just don't. I don't like Smash Brothers, um, which is <gasps> I, again unfortunate. It's I, I don't play a ton of fighting okay. games. Okay, now uh, as much as I love Nintendo, why did you buy a Wii U? I have. <laughs> now I'll get, now I, I want to know. <laughs> I got sucked into the because I saw tons of footage, like tons of push You're for the Wind Waker so bundle, and I wanted to play. I felt like that itch to play a Zelda game, and I never played through. Like every time. I've tried playing through Wind Waker twice when I had a GameCube and maybe once when I had a Wii. And I would get to the point after, you know, going to Hyrule Castle. Yeah. And that's where the game kind of dies. And even playing this remade version, like you're supposed to have a faster sail and an easier way to change the direction of the wind. That's bullshit. I'm ha- I'm like 10 hours into the game and I haven't acquired that stuff. It, like, oh, really? I, yeah. I, I, mean, I haven't played the HD version yet. I'm waiting yeah, for the physical either, release. So. I went yeah, to I went to the three temples and I went to I mean spoil like this isn't even a spoiler like you go to Hyrule Castle to get the Master Sword at some point, and I'm past that. Plus, I'm hooked up with Zelda. I'm still not. I still don't have the quote faster sail, and it takes forever to get places. Like to the point where I would just set the the gamepad down and like go on my phone for like six minutes to get to a different island um and i forgot like yeah dude that's totally the reason why i put it down last time is because i got super bored and there was halo to play like i could play halo 2 or i could play you know madden 2003 um and i was kind of a bro back then i guess but the uh (laughs) the, the thing is i also look at it this way you have playstation 4 coming out in a little bit more than a month all right, uh, a little bit less than two months. So I have multiple PlayStation Vitas, and I think the remote play or the second screen thing is cool. But uh, to be honest, like my TV is on the opposite side of my bedroom. I could not even go through one wall to get to my bedroom to like lay down and play on the gamepad, mm. um, which is a bummer. The headphone out jack on the thing is super weak. So I hooked up. Uh, headphones to it and I couldn't even I could like turn up all the way it wasn't very loud like it like everything about the system was just kind of underwhelming and it was just such a bummer I was ready to buy one I bought one Um, but I am uh, packaging it up and bringing it back to Best Buy this week just because it's not it's not going to get used once PS4 comes out and I'm playing through Persona 4 and the Vita which has taken up a lot of my time and uh that's it. Unfortunately, like again, I was just like, I'm not seeing the support from Nintendo. I do, like the 3ds is the thing to have. If you like Nintendo games, get a 3ds. Um, Trey, you want to start it, or you want me to? Go ahead. Am I um, wrong? First of all, I totally agree with you um, that Nintendo has proven that the 3ds is the better system to get if you're a Nintendo fan. Um, you know, not, and if, not intentionally though. Right, not intentionally, but sorry, my my cat just came in here. I'm trying to get him away from the mic. Anyway, um, 
bottom line, there's way more support and it's a snappier system in terms of its uh, operating system and everything else. It's just much nicer to use. There's way more titles on the virtual console for it as well as indie titles. Although with all the Kickstarters, it looks like Wii U is going to get a good deal of indie support in the future. Um, I ultimately, if I could do it again, I probably wouldn't have wouldn't have gotten a Wii U until this Wind Waker bundle. Like if I had known then what I know now about. But still, how what's there to play, forward? man? Like, in a, in a, like I don't mean to jump in, but the worst thing about it is like I I keep reminding myself because I have a PlayStation Vita. Like I like my 3ds, but. The experience of playing stuff on a PlayStation Vita, buying stuff on a PlayStation Vita is just so much nicer. It's just such a it's a much better interface. It's way snappier. The the biggest thing that bugs me is the ownership thing of digital games and not being able to carry that to a different console. Like I thought it was something I could get over because I figured, all right, this is the only game I'm ever gonna buy that's gonna be digital. I'm never gonna buy a digital game through the eShop because that's stupid. Like it just, I'm just basically renting a game for full price, which I, I makes totally no that. sense. The online uh, account system or lack thereof is something else. I'll probably rudely tweet Nintendo about in the future. But then they're not like, there's just, I just don't see any hope in any of this being, I feel like we talk about this almost every episode and I apologize for people out there, but I just don't see any ray of hope of this stuff being, course corrected for this console because after um you know these couple of games come out like in the next whatever six eight months going into 2014 uh i don't really see anything that i would totally like need one of these for compared to like an xbox one or a 3ds or a playstation 4 i just feel like there's just so much more there's no innovation from Nintendo. It's just all sequels to games that we've already seen. It's another Mario Kart. It's a, another 3D world. It's another um, Smash Brothers. It's, you know, it's another Donkey like who, another Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, the, the Returns was awesome, though. Oh, it's a great game. I, I mean, I played it on 3DS, and I, I freaking loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I played great. it on Wii first. I beat it on Wii, but the, I will say the 3DS version's better. That helps the argument about the 3DS system. Just, you know, the gimmicky Wii stuff is, you know, kind of gone. But anyways, finish what you're saying because I, I want to talk about this in well, a second. And, so go ahead. Oh, sorry. And, and again, like the final straw was like this last week when they announced like, man, you guys asked for it. So we got uh, Wii Sports HD coming where you can buy each individual sport for $10 and we have Wii Fit You, you know none of this stuff makes sense to me. Like none of it makes sense in terms of like them getting sales. And I'm such a hypocrite because I, again, support, I'm a huge supporter of the PlayStation Vita. I'm about to own four PlayStation Vitas by the end of October. And, uh, it, it is, it is literally just because it is just a, a, a better experience. And I, and I feel like the, the Wii U is dead. It's not even like like in Japan it gets beat by the the PlayStation Vita. Like that's how that's how it gets beat by the PSP. And that's uh how bad it is on a week to week basis and I just I feel like even Nintendo's just not putting their their you know resources behind it. I just don't know what they're doing. 
Um, Dre, tagging in yet, or do you want yeah, me to go? Uh, well, here's here's my thing with this console, and I I totally get why you're you're returning it. That makes sense. Yeah. I I understand completely the way the way I look at looked at the system when I bought it. If I spend more money than the console costs on games, so if I spend over three hundred or three hundred fifty when I bought it, if I spend over three hundred fifty dollars on games, that's give that that's enough games where I feel like I justified the purchase of the system and played through them. So right now I'm looking at my Wii U games. I've got Monster Hunter Three Ultimate. New Super Mario Brothers U, New Super Luigi U, Nintendo Land, Pikmin 3, Scribble Knots Unlimited, Wonderful 101, and Zombie U. I've not played all of those yet. I've played Zombie U, I've played Scribble Knots, I've played Nintendo Land, Super Luigi, Super Mario U, and Monster Hunter 3. I haven't played Pikmin or Wonderful 101 yet. But I feel like I've gotten my money's worth with this console. Yeah, those are not the greenest games ever. They're good. I mean, like, most of them, most of them are, uh, exclusive to the wii u i'm only going to buy exclusive games on the wii u that's that's it like yeah the lineup doesn't look that great yes i would rather over mario 3d land yes i wish a brand new zelda game instead of a remake had come out unfortunately we have to go to the better 3ds to get the new zelda game this year but i'm excited about mario kart mario kart never gets old to me i'm excited about um donkey kong um, I'm excited about Smash Brothers. I mean, so like, for, to me personally, even though the system's not getting the playtime compared to my PS3 that I wish it would get, I don't feel like, I mean, Nintendo from an overall standpoint may look bad, but to me, I, I don't feel like I wasted my money. I feel like I've got my money's worth with the, with the Wii U. Do I want them to have a better account system? Yeah, I've said it every time we've talked about it. Yeah, I wish they had mm-hmm. something. Do you but, buy I mean, games like, on the eShop? I do not. Okay. Uh, virtual console games yes i had a good bit of them on the wii mm-hmm. that was i was kind of naive at the time so i didn't i didn't really pay attention to the whole account system i didn't really think about it like that now i now i kind of wish i hadn't but at the same time you know I, i've got a good bit of games on there when they come out on wii u i'll pay the dollar and upgrade them just so i can play them on the gamepad. but as far as like buying full games digital or like the um indie games that come out no i haven't bought any of those that's so, well put right, man you, you made your you made really good points. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, you know, and like I said, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I completely understand your decision to get rid of it. You look at what you see coming out, and you don't see anything that catches your eye. Yeah, I agree. Some of the stuff's a little weak, but at the same time, looking back on the year I've had it, even though it hasn't gotten to play, like I haven't played it as much as you know my other systems. At the same time, like I don't regret the purchase. I mean, shoot, I went out and bought another one and sold like bits and pieces of it just so I could have that game pad. So I mean. You know, I I feel justified in mine. I I like the system. Yeah, it's got a long way to go, but I I'm I'm, I'm sticking with them. Well, you you, know? you mentioned uh, sorry, Josh. I don't mean to jump it, but you mentioned like games, um, like Smash Brothers, like Donkey Kong, uh, Country Returns, Arctic, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, the, the see the way that I look at those games, like those are 3ds games. Why are they on the Wii U? That's true, and it, it seems. Valid- like- it seems. Well, I'm sorry, Josh. It's no. I was just like thinking their, their whole mindset is like they think that because it's working on the 3ds, that it may work on the Wii U. So yeah, they they brought the Mario format to the Wii U, and Donkey Kong was successful in the 3ds as well as the Wii. But yeah, I mean that tropical game. It could be a 3ds game. Totally wouldn't surprise me. Down the road, they made like a 3ds version of it, but. I, you know, it, it kind of feels like they haven't, they're having an identity crisis. Like they don't know where they want to go now and now they're stuck. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. It's frustrating sometimes, but in the end, 
It's Nintendo. And I'll make a personal admission. Like, I feel like I'm leaning more towards portable games anyways these days. And um, like I said, I I used the crap out of my the Vita and the, the 3DS. I, I, I mean, I hope Nintendo... They also announced the 2DS b- between now and then. But I hope they do a revision of the 3DS XL that is slimmer, has a better screen on it, mm-hmm. um, has, you know, uh, better... Bat- like, the battery life is pretty gross on an XL. It's like maybe like three and a half. I think I can get like close to five. I never turn the 3D on anyway. So, um, but those are just like, I'm kind of, I like sleek hardware. That's why I like to, I buy stupid things like MacBook Airs. And I, you know, I like the, the redesigned PlayStation Vita, even though it doesn't have as nice of a, doesn't have the OLED screen. It's nice and cleaner and sleeker and better battery life and slimmer. Like I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Um, but sorry, Josh, what, you had some points. Yeah, yeah, and I want to be clear that, you know, the way I kind of said to Trey, like, or, do you want to go first or do you want me to? It sounded like we were going to, like, team up and try to defeat your argument, and that's not at all it. I totally mm-hmm. understand um, your position. Um, basically, here's what I will say, anecdotal evidence. I have a, a good friend um, from graduate school who... Um, has not owned a Nintendo console in a while. And he came over to my house um, right before I moved and um, played Wii U with me for a little while. And I showed him some of the stuff and he ended up buying one. Um, but he's also a hardcore Smash Brothers guy. Like he's always loved playing Smash Brothers over the years. So, uh, but he did. Uh, he thought that it was neat in the off TV play and stuff like that, you know, that he could play New Super Mario Brothers U while he's watching TV. Um, and he's not somebody who buys like every console or whatever. So I thought that was interesting that this was the one that sort of caught his attention. Um, but anyway, outside of that anecdotal evidence, Nintendo really needs to get into doing some sort of a, a handheld console hybrid, right? Like some sort of handheld console hybrid that like a Vita um, TV. Yeah, like a Vita TV. Honestly, like a, I think they that's need a, a sweet DST, spot for them. a 3DS TV. Right, absolutely. Like some but it, something that's in between, though, yeah. and it's not. And I think that's where they're heading. You know that that you can kind of look at some of the decisions that they've been making over the last few years, and you can look at their transition to HD development and see that they were not equipped for it, and that it's been really hard for them um, to to support Wii U properly. Um, but they've done such a nice job with 3DS. That if they did something that was somewhere between the two, um, and you could like dock it when you go home, um, you know, or like stream from your portable device to that, and then have your image on the big screen when you're at home, um, and that way they're not trying to support two platforms with games. I think that's just, that's that's where they have to go with the next console generation because already they're not even a player in the PS4 and Xbox One. Oh, it's going to be discussion. gross. They already have. They both have a million pre-orders. <laughs> Yeah. How do you make how do you make that competitive though like a, a hybrid like that like graphically and stuff I mean do you do you not go power like they're doing I mean do, well I think I, see- I think if you look at like the the problem is is that the the great thing about what Sony has done not to keep keep harping on them but they have basically like made both markets big markets happy the Japan and the United States slash Europe because in Japan, you know, they're allowing you to have a portable system 
for remote play and things like that where portable systems are way more popular um, in terms of like looking at the PSP and the 3DS and the DS, like they smoke everything else. The 3DS just passed the Nintendo Wii <clears throat> in Japan this past week. And I, I think Sony is trying to like grab basically make both sides happy, the console people and the portable people happy with something like the PlayStation uh, Vita TV. And I think Josh is right. Like Nintendo, if they could do something like that, it would be great. But the problem is they're locked into that dual screen setup. They could totally, though, you know, use your HDTV as your top screen, use the gamepad as your bottom screen. But again, they're like, it's segmenting and segmenting like audiences. And it's just like confusing the hell out of people that are already confused about a Wii U thinking that it's just a Wii. Well, so so what I think, um, to kind of speak to what Trey started to ask and then what you talked about as well, um, I think that what it'll have to be is they'll probably support the Wii U through 2015. You know, just based on the development that they already have on games, they might as well finish them. And they might as well see what Mario Kart and Smash Brothers can do for them in terms of sales because, you know, those will be system sellers undoubtedly. Probably not to the same extent that previous consoles have sold from those games, but still, they'll help. Um, So ride the Wii U thing out at least through 2015. 3DS, it'll be time for some sort of new handheld by around that time. And so then I see either fall of 2015 or sometime in 2016 um, a successor to both of them at the same time. Right? So it's just sort of like we're no longer in the handheld or the console space. We're just somewhere between. And um, in terms of power... You know, it might be like around the same power level as what we see with the Wii U right now, because they'd be they'd be solid at HD development by then. That you know, at least every team would have developed one HD game by then, and um, it shouldn't be that expensive to have um, those sorts of specs inside a handheld device um, that can be docked at home or carried outside of the house um, to have something that runs games at about Wii U level like three years from now. For sure. And it's like, and it's just like the, the reason why this is a big bummer is because they still make good stuff. They still make they really great games. And it's just like the stuff that we have to play them on and the infrastructures that we have to, you know, interact with these consoles on is what is really hurting them because, you know, they should have released something that was, you know, obviously cheaper than the Wii U and was a little bit more, um, distinctive compared to what they previously put out like you knew when you got a nintendo 64 it doesn't sound like super nintendo you knew uh and same thing mm-hmm. like gamecube was completely different than nintendo 64 it sounds completely different uh i mean they just basically bet on f- going on the wii's coattails as, in terms of naming like they just bet on the wrong side of that but they um, sure did. Oh. like i said like i think the the 3ds i mean there's so much great like the 3DS is a joy from 3D Land to uh, Luigi's Mansion to Donkey Kong Country to uh, the new Zelda coming out this year, Bravely Defaults coming over now. Um, like there's so much great stuff. So- like the Monster Hunter 4 is obviously going to come over like for that audience. Um, but I, I think it's just uh, it's just so weird to see them being so successful on the 3DS and just getting kind of their lunch uh, handed to them with the Wii U. But yeah, like I said, it's going to have to, it's going to have to go back just because until they fix this stuff, I just don't feel right giving them my money. Like I feel like 
the reason why I am so like like crazy with in 05, I was so I was the Xbox dude. I wanted a 360 so bad. And I was 360, you know, up until the last two years where I've been mostly a PS3 gamer. And I think Sony is just getting it. Like they're they're treating their customers great. They're doing all this cross buy stuff. You can yeah. do like like just think about that. Do cross buy between friggin' 3DS and Wii U when you buy a virtual console game. Think about how many more virtual console games you'd buy. Yeah, like I'd buy. Oh, I'd buy all of them. Like, like seriously, yeah. Like, exactly because, and it's like, all right, man. I could think if they had the cloud where you could play Mega Man Three on your Wii U, then upload it to the cloud, then download that save on your 3DS, and then continue playing it while you leave the house. Like it's like, man, that makes so much sense. And they just didn't uh, see it or didn't think like it was going to be. I mean, Sony didn't even see. Sony was so far behind Microsoft. And now they seem to be the ones that get it, and Microsoft seems to be the one that's disconnected from its audience. It's just, um, you know, it's it, video it, games, man. I'm teaching a class on on business communication right now, and um, there's when you just look at the way Sony communicates with the public compared to the way that Nintendo does. And I mean, I agree that the, the idea behind the Nintendo Direct is actually a really smart thing. You know, sort of like a fireside chat kind of mentality, um, only in a modern age. Uh, that that would that it's it sounds good on its face, but uh, the issue of it is that you're really just talking to the same people every time, and they don't give you any time to know when the things are going to happen and all of that. Um, and then also, Sony has hired the perfect people to make these big decisions and then to communicate them to the public, like Cerny, Mark Cerny, you know, like that, that guy is so smart yeah. and he gets what gamers are into. And he was instrumental in the architecture of not only we learned this week, not only the PS4, but also the Vita. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and it's amazing how they, they're going to work. Together. Right, yeah, and, and they're very compatible. But he explains these things really well, too, to the audience. Like, from the February event where they unveiled the PS4, yeah. even to today. And they and Sony's done some really smart things to communicate with the public, such as their like YouTube video that they made around the time of E3 about their used game policy. Yeah. Where it was like Yoshida and someone else is like handing a game to each other. as like, this is how you share a game. Um, they they are just really they're having in fun. Touch. They're video games. Why are we like being like? That's why Microsoft was just such a their press conference was so negative because it like I mean it, people felt kind of negative about it just because man like you guys chill out. We're talking about video games. You don't need to necessarily say that you're going to take over your living room with a new console. Um, and I think that's why Sony is just been doing like you said the people shuhei yoshida like right not only like following him on twitter is awesome like i sometimes sent like uh like message him on twitter and he replies to messages <laughs> like he actually like will you know interact with the audience the things that uh the the independent team has been doing over there like uh, shane bettenhausen and um and uh uh oh god i'm blanking on his name uh Adam boys over. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like the, the interaction that they're doing to like get good stuff on there and to be like, yeah, man, let's just work together and, and put some games on. We're not going to charge you for it. We're going to, you know, get everyone to be happy. And, 
Um, I think Nintendo's doing a better job with it too. Like you guys mentioned with the you know Kickstarter, they're trying to get more independent games on the Wii U. Like it's just um, well, and, and that's that's what's going to matter for Nintendo because um, this week we learned that the new Splinter Cell game that released on Wii U sold five thousand units. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe a little less than five thousand, but either way, it doesn't matter at that point. We're talking about hundreds of units. Um, yeah. So third party support doesn't matter on Wii U, and I think most of the third party publishers are going to have to learn that by now. Oh, they're gone. Like yeah. it's just Ubisoft and EA's gone, and they're they got uh, Activision to do Call of Duty Ghosts and other games like uh, Arkham City Origins or whatever it is. Uh, doesn't like even have multiplayer, fall, right? Yeah. So first of all, you're right; they're not even fully featured. But then, second of all, I mean, I can't see like next fall if there's a Batman game or an Assassin's Creed game or Call of Duty, which there probably will be at least Assassin's Creed and Call of Duty. You're not going to see those on Wii U next fall. Um, there's no incentive anymore. So Nintendo is learning um, very well, I think, that indie that indie games are really important to their livelihood right now. So I am I am glad to see them being forward thinking in that respect. Hey guys, you think we should wrap this up? I'm getting a little fired up right now. We've been talking <laughs> for two and a half hours. Yeah, I guess we should. Hey, we've been gone a long time though, and you guys who listen and are really nice to us, you deserve uh, you deserved a good long podcast this time. So yeah, and um, what uh, we've been meaning to do is set up a game night. Uh, for people oh, yeah. and um, what we will probably do is talk about that in the thread if you guys can think of a game uh, that you want to play online just to kind of do like a group hang uh, and uh, you know talk about games and stuff like that we can definitely do that if you want to um, I'll throw this out there if you have if a PlayStation uh, I'm just Kevin Larrabee on PlayStation and uh, Killzone Mercenaries is pretty good on the Vita if you want to get in some of that or if you want to show me how to play Demon's Crown because I'm apparently terrible at that game. Is uh, that what it's called? Yeah, Demon's Crown, right? I don't. I Dragon's don't, Crown. Dragon's Crown. Oh my okay, god. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm I tired. Because like, all of a sudden I started thinking about Demon Souls. Yeah, that's um, why I was thinking of that. Okay, Dragon's Crown. Yeah, the new Atlas game. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, okay, it cool. looks so good. But um, yeah. Either one of those would be awesome. And if anyone says PlayStation Vita has no games, I got such a backlog of places and oh man and you guys recommended uh rayman uh legends on the playstation vita is oh my god so good and i'm sure it's great on everything but it's it's really good on that too i would only recommend it on wii u or vita because of the touch, the touch screen yeah. on both devices um all right well that's gonna do it uh next time we're gonna be back with uh mega man 2 we're going to be talking about that again in honor of Mighty Number no. Nine and Kenji uh, Kenji Inafune's uh, Kickstarter, which is just about wrapping up. By the time that you listen to this, hopefully they got past three point five million, so they're going to make a 3DS and Vita version. That would be, I mean, mm. that's going to be the optimal way to play that game. Like that's a two D two D game should automatically come out on all handhelds. But um. That is uh, going to be it for us. Don't forget to check out backinmyplay.com for the show notes where I will post that N64 launch video. And also, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Um, whoops. Oh, my st- stupid Windows 8. Just make, making what that, happened? It just made that huge start screen come up. Um, ah. uh, you can follow me at Kevin Larrabee. And you can follow Josh at, uh, at Joshua Hillier. 
And then you can also follow Trey at at Heel Treater. Yeah. All right. Do it. And um, that's it. Until uh, next time, got to give a, a shout out to my boy uh, Shuhei Yoshida. No, I'm just kidding. And um, <laughs> no, but for real, if you are uh, liking the show, please submit a review on iTunes. Subscribe on there. Would greatly appreciate it. Also, um, thank you to the super, super nice people on the NeoGAF thread who um, just recently posted comments uh, like Yes Boss and Agent Otaku who said um, that uh, Yes Boss said, as much as I like Retronauts, I tend to like your podcast more. Oh, man. Yeah, that feels good. Mm. Them feels. Yeah, no, yeah totally. Um, no, but seriously, uh, all retro podcasts are great. We're just trying to all continue to spread the word to raise the prices on eBay. Until next time, thanks as always for listening. Uh, again, we'll be back. Here's some fantastic music from Mega Man 2. Enjoy it. It's a great Wiley stage number one. Goodbye. Bye.